another episode of the planet fantasy podcast and we're your hosts damon and kyle kyle how's it going man how's that gumbo tasting yeah it's good man my uh my, my mom made gumbo for dinner so i'm feeling like i'm back in new orleans <laughs> how are you i'm all right long day of work um but i'm ready i'm excited for this draft that's not the draft that people are expecting um before we get into that what you've been watching man any any fun binges um so I started uh, a show on Netflix. Y'all will hear it later in my recommendation that I just recorded. Uh, but it's called Feel Good. Uh, it is, season two just dropped like maybe a week ago. Um, big, big Fleabag vibes. So, of course, it's it's right up my alley. But it's really great. It, it, yeah, it's only it's like six, six episodes. I'm only like four episodes in. But it's it's really, really good. What about you? Let's see. I finished my Game of Thrones binge. Uh, nice. That was a pretty quick binge. Um, I watched Sweet Tooth, all of Sweet Tooth yesterday. That's an amazing show. Oh, it's good? Yes. Okay. It really is. I didn't know what to expect, and I still don't know what to expect going into season two. Like, I'm just like, I'm all, I'm there for the ride. I haven't read any of the comics or any spoilers. It's really whimsical while also being in a post-apocalyptic world. Hmm. So it's really interesting balancing those two. I I like it a lot. Okay. Um, and yeah, so th- those are my binges this past week. Very nice. different kind of properties. I- <laughs> Very much so. I don't see you feel good. But maybe. Maybe in season two it's uh, set in a post-apocalyptic world. Who knows? <laughs> gotcha. Um, but enough enough chitter-chatter. Uh, let's tell the people at home what we're doing today, Kyle. Yeah, so like Damon said, uh, we originally had a... Um, a Quidditch draft scheduled for today. Uh, unfortunately, that's been delayed. We will, y'all still will be hearing that uh, sometime soon. Um, it's going to happen. But uh, in the meantime, we are not going away from the Harry Potter world. Um, we came up with a really fun draft. Basically, Damon and I are going to pitch you our uh, dream series in the Wizarding World universe. Um, so basically, yeah, this is really the only qualifications. It can't be like something that we've already seen but again we've only seen harry potter movies and fantastic beasts so that's that's it like anything else we can we can do we can kind of go wild with it um so i'm excited how about you i'm very excited like people's been talking about diff- what you know what they wish they could see in the world there's so many different avenues and directions you can take it mm-hmm. um much like the mcu you could pretty much do every genre imaginable in this world depending on where you set it, which characters you want to talk about. So I'm very intrigued to see where you go with it. I, I'm very excited to tell everybody mine. Uh, yep. so. And also, just for the listeners, this is in a hypothetical dream world where this is made and she who must must not be named gets no money from it. Like, this is made no. with new people owning this franchise. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, yes. So to decide the order of the draft, we have a list game. What's our list game this week, Damon? We are doing Wizarding World Creatures. Right. Are we doing ABCs or are we just doing just flat creatures? Let's just do creatures. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, that might be too tough. Um, I did not study it on this one, and like I haven't read uh, Fantastic Beasts in a long time, so we'll see. Uh, see how far we go. Uh, yeah. You want to start us off, Kyle? Sure. Uh, let's go with Dementor. Hippogriff. Um, Niffler. Bow Truckle. Uh, let's go with a Hinky Punk. Let's go with the Dimmy Guys. Um, a Centaur. Dragon. <laughs> uh, let's go with. Uh, you said Hippogriff, right? Yes. Uh, let's go with a sphinx. Let's go with a blast-ended screw. Ooh, those little fuckers. Um, <laughs> let's go with, oh, a flubber worm. Boggart. Nice. Um... I'm just trying to think of like all the things that Lupin introduces them to. <laughs> right. The only teacher who really introduced them to things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, does this count an acromantula? Because it's kind of like a mystical spider, I guess. Oh, yeah, that definitely counts. Um, uh, we said Kelpie? Mm-mm. Kelpie. Nice. Um, let's go with a basilisk. A red cap. Nice. Oh, man. A gnome. That's, like, one of my favorite parts of the earlier series, is, like, they're just having to throw the gnomes out of their garden. <laughs> like, that's so that's A so common awesome. chore is denoming their garden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is there known pesticide? I hope not. That'd be sad. <laughs> that would be rough. I remember in the really shitty Chamber of Secrets video game that I loved, one of the first things you have to do is Dean on the garden, and you literally pick them up by their legs and throw them over the fence. It's not a shitty game. It's the worst graphics in the world. Yes. But the game was really fun, and I never finished it because I got stuck on the Aragog level. Oh, it's I was like, where, a nightmare. Where do I go? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And that was like... When there was like maybe two walkthroughs online, because mm-hmm. this was like 2002, 2003. Yeah. So, like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? No one will tell me. <laughs> so, that's one game I never finished. Great games, though. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. That was not stalling at all. No. Um, Destral? Oh, nice. Yeah. Um,. I mean, I guess there's, I don't know if there's only one of it, but the giant squid. <laughs> I'm sure there's multiple, you know? Yeah. Thunderbird. Ooh, nice. I don't know if this counts as a creature, but I'm just obscurial or obscurus. It, it's definitely something very mythical. We can go ahead and count that one whatever one is the person it obviously doesn't count but what they create is the obscurious i think and i think that like is a creature right yeah i mean we've already done centaurs who are very much like their own almost their own race so yeah i think yeah. Be okay okay um an augury an augury 
Is that how do you say it? Yes. Wow. Good. Good call. Um, man. Let's see. A house elf. Okay. Yeah. Although I'm I'm pro spew. I just don't think they're creatures. <laughs> just for the purpose of this draft. <laughs> Is it a Chimera? Is that what they're called? Chimera, yeah. Chimera, yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Um, oh, in theory. That's a good one. Those oh. creepy fuckers. It, it's answer in this world, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> um, I can imagine if the Forbidden Forest was just a bunch of trees that could talk. That'd be that'd be crazy. Um, Five, four, three, two, one. I, I can't think of any more. I'm, I I'm glad because I had run out. Than I, could, I thought I would, so yeah, that went for a while. I'm very proud of us. <laughs> So, Kyle, what's the uh, order for us to? Hmm. This is always interesting with these types of drafts. Because really, like, I just want to hear what you have so I can possibly pivot if we're too similar in our series. Um, so, yeah, I, wanna, I want you to go first, and I'll, I'll take the turn. All right. Awesome. So, when, you, when we, like, had to scramble, we pretty much started prepping, like, Saturday night when we found out we weren't going to be able to uh, do this. This is a Monday night now. I was like, okay, story ideas. I was like, of course, I'm going to do this one that I've had in my mind for a, a while now. So the name of the show, the series, is going to be called Fingers Crossed, A Chudley Cannon Story. Oh my god. Yes. And it's going to be uh, the showrunners are let's see let's get their names it's liz flayhive and carly minch they're the co-showrunners for the show glow on netflix oh, cool if y'all haven't okay. seen glow it's fantastic it's about female wrestling in the 80s it's uh got our girl allison brie in it it's, uh freaking got um mark Marin in it who's just as most mark Marin is it's really good um, they also have writing credits for Weeds, Nurse Jackie, Orange is the New Black, and Homeland. Wow. So they've got a lot of, you know, range and diversity. And it's, and I really was really looking at Glow for this kind of ensemble-type show dealing with a large cast. You know, you're dealing with this team of Quidditch players. So I thought that would work really well. So here, here's a little synopsis I wrote up, okay? It's 2022. 130 years since the Chudley Cannons have won a League Cup. It's a long time. A once legendary club with 21 League Cup wins, the Cannons have since changed their team motto from We Shall Conquer to Let's All Just Keep Our Fingers Crossed and Hope for the Best. The team hasn't been particularly good in the most recent years, leading to a brand new manager and several new starters to shake things up. This is the story of that team and why sometimes... A little hope and luck is all a team needs to catch a break. That, oh my God, that sounds incredible. 
<laughs> that oh man, that exceeded all expectations. You get an E, sir. You get a grade E. <laughs> yeah, exceeding. I love it. I, I love an E. Um, but yeah, so it's just going to be like think Ted Lasso, but not nearly as funny. It will okay. have comedy, but it's definitely going to be a little bit more dramatic. Definitely a little bit more sports oriented. A lot more games and practice going on. But I, I just want like the vibe of. These players, this new manager, how they're going to work together and their their lives aside from Quidditch, like what's going on and how they just deal with it all. So I think a Quidditch show would be so fun. I loved watching the Quidditch matches in the movies. There was never enough, never enough in the books. You know, she who must not be named made up Quidditch because it's absurd, because all sports are absurd. And this one just is like, like as far absurd as as it can be, but why not make a show about it and just like, dot, like you know, lean into it? Yeah. And so I think that'd be a lot of fun. What are some of your thoughts about the show? Like what I what you could do with it? I love it. So originally, I I can actually considered like a a Ted Lasso inspired Quidditch series, and then I, as people know, I haven't seen Ted Lasso, so I was like, I can't fake my way through that. Like I get the general vibe of the show, but I don't, I wouldn't be able to do that. But like having it be a little more serious and especially with the showrunners from glow. I mean, that show, I hate that it was canceled because it's such a good show. Uh, yeah, I'm very intrigued. I love the idea of like, would it follow like a season of, or like their, their Quidditch season basically. Yeah. I, I would think one season is, is a season of Quidditch. So like, you know, you'll have their, their practicing and the games and just what's going on in between each. And it'll probably be, I'd say maybe, I don't know how many games are in a league season. I don't think they've ever told us. Yeah. Is that what I've not read Quidditch through the ages in a long time either. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think 10 episodes would be more than enough to, to capture that. And then yeah. hopefully it'll get picked up for some more seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. I, that's awesome. Just cause like, you can go so many different routes with that, especially getting into like the, the individual players' lives and the manager. I really want to see who you cast when with those people. So uh, I'm very intrigued already. This is great. <laughs> yes. Uh, do, do you like the name? Is the name catching? The name is great. So I famously hate this part of the draft, just naming something. So mine is still in process. Uh, we're going to figure it out together, everyone. Um, but Fingers yes. Crossed is a fantastic title. I love that. I think it, it's very fitting, and then if it works, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll want me to to create some more uh, Quidditch series, you know, with, with different teams. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but that's an all for now, and let's go to Kyle. Tell us about your name to be figured out and your show. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you've heard one of our previous drafts, this is definitely inspired by a take I had on, on that episode and just more fleshed out. Um, so we did a draft with Dom. We talked about our, our, our rescue squad draft. Um, and Damon had the foresight to put Kingsley Shacklebolt and Amelia Bones together on a team, which was great. I love that power duo. We know they work together. And so this is basically not only their story, but this is the story of like the magical law enforcement and uh, the Aurors in the 80s. So this is basically in between Voldemort's fall and Harry going to Hogwarts. It's like right in like 1985, basically. Um, 
I think I have a title. I'm going to credit friend of the pod, Crystal, for this one uh, because I'm not creative. Uh, Vigilance. Uh, Basically, um, obviously, if you know Harry Potter, that word is associated with someone in particular. But I think it also just represents uh, the the aurors themselves. Um, They have to be vigilant against everything. Um, And so, uh, yeah, that's the basic premise. And then the showrunner is uh, Chris Chibnall. Um, he created the series Broadchurch. Uh, he has done a lot of British TV, um, basically exclusively British TV. But if you've seen Broadchurch, it is, oh man, it's a fantastic series. David Tennant, like maybe his best performance. I don't know. All, all the Doctor Who fans are going to come for me, but he's, he's so good in it. Um, Olivia Coleman is great in that show. Future Doctor jo- Jodie Whittaker is in it, and she's fantastic. Um, it's a, basically like a crime series set in this small town called Broadchurch. But uh, I want his crime sensibilities to work with this because this is going to be ba- basically a procedural um, with all these ores, with my two leads who I mentioned. I'll get to them later. But uh, yeah, in, in 85, working as ores, trying to suss out who, you know, in that time they talk about it a lot in the books. Um, at that point, people were coming back from the dark side and coming back from the Death Eaters and like saying they had been uh, imperioed and stuff. And this is about them trying to work like work out who's who's corrupt and who's not. Like who's back working with, with the ministry. Maybe they still believe in Voldemort. Maybe they still believe in that cause. So they're trying to – kind of like true detective-ish, you know? Um, back in that draft a long time ago, I said I wanted an X-Files remake with these two. I think that would be fun too, but this is a little more grounded to like, I think what it would be like, like a true detective type, you know, the two of them, their relationship, and then their relationship with other ors and with ministry members. And again, trying to figure out who's corrupt, who's not. Um, and then also just two characters who we don't see enough of in the series and we really need to see more of. So what do you think? So first off, Chris Chibnall, you know, of course, I mean, he does Doctor Who now, too. So he, he, he has played in this kind of fantasy skate before. But you have that paired with the Broadchurch, which I watched when it came out. Very serious stuff, very well written. Like, I can imagine that kind of vibe going into a Ministry of Magic, like, or Department of Defense kind of show. It'd be a lot more serious than anything we've seen before in this world which I think would really work considering you're dealing with, with murders and death eaters and, and trying to get to the bottom of this. Um, I, I like that a lot. I love that you went with the name Vigilance. I think that's a really good name. It's clever because it's, you know, it, it's an Easter egg all by itself. My boy Moody better be in the damn show. If the <laughs> Vigilance. If not, I will be upset. Um, but I really like that. Like I could see it like sprawled out, like in really cool letters. Ah, uh, any any V word has a lot of oomph to it in my mind. Yeah. Like V is a high ranking letter in the power rankings of letters. One hundred percent. One day when we do our alphabet draft, I'll be picking V. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Z all the way. Um, but you know, as far as the synopsis goes, it's it's very basic. But it, you don't have to say too much more because we we already know that time period. We already know what's going on. We'll be seeing a lot of people we already know. But before before we meet them, you know, um, like, you know, it's essentially after Voldemort's defeated and then all the way to Harry going to to a school. It, it's kind of like those, you know, in between Gotham Central. It's like when Batman's just now being Batman kind of vibes. You can do so much with it because 
it's not really been told. Like we, we know things that happen, but how do they happen? We really don't know. My only hope is the show starts with the trials of of uh, Crouch Jr. and them. I would love yeah. that. Yeah, so that'd be a cool way to start. Yeah, that because, would be like, we, like the first scene just opening on that would be incredible. We've seen it before in the Pensieve, but to see it like break down not just that, but like before and after and the fallout of that would be really cool to see. I'm very intrigued at this, and I'm glad you didn't go with the name Lauren Or Law and Or because <laughs> I mean that name's been thrown around for years. Yeah. And it's it's almost like it's a pun name and it's fun, but like I don't think they would ever call a show that. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, I, I so. will say I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because the fun pun is always fun to go with as a joke. The first suggestion I got from our dear friend Crystal was uh, because of the two leads, uh, uh, the Bone Shack, uh, and then immediately sent the gif of Holt screaming Bone in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So just shout out to that. It's like the greatest episode, uh, moment in that show. And I just, I would love it for that alone, but otherwise it doesn't work at all. <laughs> um, okay, now I'm going to be upset if your casting doesn't have a Shackle Bolt as a, played by Andre Brower. <sighs> That would be great if he was a present-day Kingsley, but yeah, that's... <laughs> he's a bit old for that role, probably, but but still, that'd be yeah. crazy. Okay, <laughs> I, I like it. I like where you're going. Um, I definitely want to hear your first uh, cast member. Who you, who you got? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead with Kingsley. He's he's my lead. Um, like, like we've said before in this draft, I mean, on this show, he's just a, such a cool character, um, such a badass. So because this is set in 85, the series is not particularly clear about his age but i imagine he's in like his mid-20s he's pretty young and he's starting out as an or um so i have him as like 26 um and i have daniel kaluuya playing him um yeah <laughs> i love this guy we've talked about him before i think on our like uh, director actor draft um he is just on fire right now like every choice he makes just is perfect. He he's obviously exploded onto the scene with like Black Mirror and Get Out. Um, he's great in Widows and such an underrated movie. He's great in Queen and Slim, Black Panther. Like the dude just can do no wrong. Um, and I want to see him go back to his British uh, roots. You know, he is playing a lot of American characters very well. By the way, like he does an American accent very well. But I would love to see him. Black Mirror was like one of his first roles, and I want to see him go back to his native. Uh, accent. I think that would be cool. And he just has such a presence on screen. I think this might throw some people because we, with Kingsley, not only just with the guy who played him in the movies, but the way he's described in the books, we have a very clear image of like who he is. He's like very like intimidating and very big in stature. And Daniel Kaluuya isn't really that. He's a little smaller, but like his eyes are just super intense. And he still has a bit of like an intimidating presence to him while being really charming. And Kingsley is also very charming. Like he's a great, just a fun hang. Um, so, yeah, I think Daniel would be fantastic. This is going to be centered around him and his, his partner in crime, uh, Amelia. But he is basically a new, a fresh horror, uh, wants to do good. And this is going to be a show that tests that. Um, one thing I want to say is like, I acknowledge that even in a fantasy world that a show around police is rough these days. Um, one thing I like is that like shows like Brooklyn nine, nine and stuff are taking like 
facing that issue head on and like dealing with it in the writing of the show. And I want this show to do that too. I want it to show that like police are bad and for Kingsley to figure that out and like maybe question why he's working in this corrupt uh, organization and working with the Ministry of Magic at all. Um, and we know in the current Harry Potter series, he's still working there. So maybe he figures something out, but I would love to see that tested. And like, especially as a fresh or like twenties, you know, he's, he's still a little naive. Uh, I want to see that tested and I want to see him like see corruption face, face to face and see how he reacts to that. So what do you think? So first off, Daniel Kaluuya is amazing. One of the like, brightest, most talented actors out right now. You didn't even mention his turn in Judas and the Black Messiah, mm. which is so good. Like, he's so subtle and, and like, soft-spoken. But, like, when he gets to speaking those speeches to everybody, it's so powerful. And, like, you can ju- you're just gravitated to listen to every word he says. To be a younger Shacklebolt makes so much sense because Shacklebolt's, like, that character who's, who's calm and kind of is, you know, it seems like everyone's friends with him. But when he, like, needs to be, he's, like, all business. Like, he's, people are intimidated by him, you know? And so I, I really think Daniel could pull that off really well. I want to see him in everything. I almost casted him in my show also. So I guess I'm glad I didn't because I guess, I don't know if I we would have been, a, I would have been able to get him if you did, but I'm glad that didn't happen. Um, yep. I would love to see him in the Wizarding World. There needs to be more representation in that that world mm-hmm. and Shacklebolt's one of those characters that we already know um and it's it's interesting you said you know the whole propaganda shows and kind of the the backlash on them we already know the ministry is corrupt like we see it doing nothing and failing over and over again in the original series and that's 10 10 years after this your series 10 15 years mm-hmm. so like to see him maybe like really maybe even like really believe in the system and as it goes on he he just is like becomes more jaded on it and and is like and then we see him he's a member of the order it's like i'm pretty sure they would like have fired him or who knows what if they knew he was a part of this secret organization that's pretty anti-order i mean anti-ministry when you think about it right so i really like that i really like that casting i really want to see who he's going to be be it with and who, who's he going to play with? So I think that'd be a lot of fun. I love that casting. So Awesome. Yeah, I hoped you would be on board. I, I It's not like the most original idea, but he's just perfect. Like he's just, ah, I feel like anytime people talk about a young Kingsley, they talk about Daniel Kaluuya for, and for good reason. And also, again, he's on fire right now. He's not done. He, I don't, I can't think of a bad performance I've seen him in. So that'll only continue. <laughs> And I mean, also, I didn't even say, but like, that's one of my favorite early episodes of Black Mirror. Yes. You know, like that was the first thing I ever saw him. And like, this dude's awesome. Like, he's able to portray that like hopelessness and and like you're, you're just stuck in the same thing over and over again. And the, the chance to break away. That's the good episode. I yep, dig that's it. A great one. I cannot wait to see who you pair with him. Um, but I, until then, I guess we're going to roll to my next one. And before that thing, we're going to take our first break. This week's episode of Planet Fantasy is brought to you by Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. With 4th of July right around the corner, what better way to celebrate the birth of American colonialism, I mean independence, than with a crate of our world-famous fireworks? 
Get your hands on all the top sellers we've made especially to honor all the best qualities of you spunky Americans, like the sparky American patriarchy. The Viet Palm face emoji explosion because we got our asses kicked by a small island nation. And the ever popular cultural appropriate blazing sensation. Order by owl or come shop in person today and let Weasley's Wizard Weezes help you celebrate the birth of your shit show of a country. All right, welcome back from break. We are talking about our dream Wizarding World Series. We just talked about um, my pick for Kingsley Shacklebolt and Daniel Kaluuya. We're throwing it back to Damon for his first cast member. What you got for us? I'm going to give you the option here. Do you want to know the name of the character and what they're about first, or do you want to know the actor first? Ooh, uh, give me the name of the character, because then I can formulate who I think might play them. (laughs) Okay, yeah, this will be a fun game, okay? I'll describe them and everything. You let me know who you think I casted. Okay. Claire Bennett, a former prestigious beater, is finally given a shot as a head manager after only a few years of being an assistant at the club she played, Wigtown Wanderers. With a nickname like The Butcher, she was dearly loved there, but the club wanted to go in a different direction. The canon swooped in and offered her a substantial offer. Now, she's looking to try and make a name as a manager with a club she routinely made fun of and beat brutally every time they met. Manager Bennett is an intimidating woman who is larger than most players on a pitch, but her love for the game really shines through when she talks about it. She expects hard work and passion, from all of her players, which could be a problem with some of them that have been on the cannons for a few years now. Okay. So who do you think Manager Bennett is played by? The Butcher. Uh... The Butcher Bennett. <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. I, uh... Olivia Coleman. I, I don't know. So Claire Bennett... The former beater of the Wanderers, current head manager of the Cannons, is played by Gwendolyn Christie. Oh my god, Brienne of Tarth herself. Brienne of Tarth, you know, Captain uh, Phasma herself from the, the sequel trilogy. I want to see her in more things. She yeah. she does such a good job as Brienne. She commands so much presence and attention. She plays, like, so many, like, you can see so much emotion on her face when she's mad when she's happy when she's sad and i just want to see that put into the wizarding world as a coach you know like this manager who has to pretty much deal with everybody she's i won't say she's the main character but she's definitely one of the main characters you know we're going to see what makes her tick how she deals with the players who are doing well who aren't listening to her we're going to see more of her backstory and like, what it's like to be, a, you know, a manager who used to be a player and can't do it anymore. Like, how does that, you know, is she, does she miss the game? Does, does she, like, you know, all those little things. So, I think Gwendolyn Christie would be awesome in that role. Yeah, no kidding. That's, oh, that's perfect. Like, I should have known when you just finished your Thrones binge, like, that she's going to be on your mind. <laughs> but she's great. Like, Brienne, I know she ranked real high on your character's rankings. Um she is a definitely oh number four yeah she, she's definitely a favorite of mine i think she's a character who was not screwed over by the end of the show i mean i hate what they did with her and jamie but her character herself like had such a fitting end i love that she writes his name in the book and like continues to tell his story like she just 
was never a bad character from the moment she's introduced. I love like her back and forth with Pod is so fun. Um, I mean, just her loyalty to Arya and Sansa is incredible. She's just, yeah, she's a great character. Very intimidating, but is able to be, like, vulnerable and, like, show the emotional side as well. I think she was really underserved in the sequel trilogy. Phasma was a cool character at at first, I guess, and then she was just a nothing character. Like, we didn't get anything from her. Um, It was like Boba Fett, like extra like it was like supersized boba fett like yeah like this yeah. really cool character but do nothing at all cool no. and aesthetic only <laughs> um because her suit was pretty dope but yeah this is awesome she, i i've never seen her as like a lead on a tv series i mean other than game of thrones but like an actual lead so that will be that would be awesome she's a fantastic actress so i think she deserves all the work she's getting um yeah i'm very intrigued by this this is awesome thank you thank you um so we'll move on to my next character, the first player of the team. Uh, do you want to play the same game? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll go okay. two for two. <laughs> so this uh, this character's name is Lewis Barlow. A third-year star on the rise, the Cannons paid a heavy galleon for the former Slytherin who played his first years on the Montrose Magpies, a perennial powerhouse in the league that's won nine of the last 15 League Cups. Lewis played a supporting role in the team as a reserve chaser, but he enjoyed the winning and played plenty of minutes. Now, on the Cannons, Lewis has to come to terms with being on a team that hardly ever wins, while also being praised as a brand new star of the team. Lewis is a confident young man who just has this cool factor about him, and his teammates always seem to enjoy playing with him. He's not a quaffle hog, but he will but will he be able to gel with the other two chasers on the team? Interesting. Okay. Uh, so kind of like a up and comer, a hot shot sort of. He's a chaser, right? Yes. Okay. Former Slytherin. Um, I'm gonna throw one out there just because I hope you don't pick this actor because I have him for someone. Uh, James McAvoy. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a little old for for like a third year chaser in the league. But I yeah. I thought about him in some other roles. So this this guy's pretty young. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, Chance Perdomo. He so. plays Ambrose in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He he's just this really charming guy, very attractive. Um, he seems like someone who could play a very soft-spoken person, or someone who could play a very charismatic character. So I, you know, I really wanted to see him in in more roles. I I've only ever seen him in Sabrina. Uh, that show had its flaws. It was good at the beginning. Kind of flamed out towards the end. But his character was one of my favorites. He was always charming, always funny. So I would love to see him in a role like this. Um, he's just going to be like this this young chaser who who's pretty much, you know, everyone's like, he's this new character, this new person on the team. He's going to bring us uh, new fame. He's he, you know, he's won cups already on the Magpies. He has this kind of a uh, pedigree already. And so he's got a lot riding on him already without even being a canon yet. So I really am intrigued to see where they go with that. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, oh, I'm very intrigued by this. <laughs> I just want to see, like, how he gels with, like you said, like with other players, with... Uh, Claire, you know, like if he like falls in line under her leadership, I think that's really interesting. 
I always thought it was interesting in the books and like movies how a captain is decided for the the team. Like, is it always just a specific position, or I guess not because it goes from Oliver to Harry, and they're you know uh, keeper and seeker. So, I've always wondered how that works. But do you would he be like the captain of the team? Oh no, he's he's just joined the team. They, there's uh, some other players that uh have been there at least a couple years. That okay, would, that would definitely rank over him. But, like, he's the guy who the media, like, the the prophets just, like, hyping up. It's like, this is the canon's new hope. Uh, this okay. is the guy who's going to bring them maybe, like, maybe a chance at winning a cup, or at least not the bottom of the table every year like they have been. Right. So he's got a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's going to be really fun seeing what kind of uh, storylines that they'll end up doing with him. Like, I, I see him kind of like someone who's – really charismatic and fun, but also maybe not the most outgoing person at the same time, like maybe more introverted. He doesn't like to party. He's maybe never been a very successful wizard. So maybe this is the only thing he's ever had in his life, you know? So that kind of like, Hey, if I don't succeed here, what am I going to do? So, yeah. And I also, I also like that, that the way you're describing him kind of like challenges all the, what a typical Slytherin is like. So I like that too. He's a bit of a Scorpius. Like he's he's a, not a typical Slytherin. He's a little different. So I like that a lot because obviously we always talk about like how the housing is bullshit and you know like people are different than those four personality traits. So that's that's really a really good call because it gives him Slytherin love, which is always fun. And yeah, you see like a different side of a Slytherin that people don't really see. Well, thank you, thank you. I'm very excited like i wish this was happening like all these shows that we always do i'm like now this just needs to be made so yep. we can watch it <laughs> um, hbo max so, hit us up <laughs> yes those are my first two characters and uh yeah so before we hear any more let's go to kyle what's uh your next character you got for us all right um okay so i'll just say just to spoiler whatever moody is a cast member so he'll we'll get to him but uh, I want to talk about Amelia Bones, who is, you know, Kingsley's partner in crime. Um, uh, I think people forget that she was the head of the magical law enforcement um, during Harry's time. So obviously a very powerful person. We talked in the draft with Dom about how she, like, was killed by Voldemort himself. So he definitely saw her as a threat. And she went down fighting. Um, so this is a very powerful character. Um, this is her, again, pretty young. She's like 20, 29 maybe. Um, and she is also pretty new to as an Auror. She started out as, uh, on Pottermore it says she started out as a clerk. Um, so this is her brand new as an Auror. Also like Clint Kingsley, very fresh and naive. And they're going to go on the same journey together through this first season of d- discovering corruption and finding people who are not who they say they are and all of that fun stuff. Um, so I'm going to go with an actress that, I talked about just last week when we talked about time travel movies with Predestination. I'm going with Sarah Snook. Um, love Sarah Snook. I think she is a fantastic actress. She's great in Predestination. She's great in like her really small role in the movie Gone Girl. Um, I assume she's great in uh, Succession. <laughs> My apologies to Katie. I still haven't watched it, but it's on the list. <laughs> um, yeah, she's, she's really good just she is the most compelling part of predestination um without her that movie really falls apart honestly like she just carries the movie and yeah i just i like the choices she's making she's even in uh infinity war and endgame she plays proxima midnight 
which That's is right. like, you know, not a very, it's a kind of a thankless role, but she definitely like does the most with it. She's really great in that role. Um, so I'd love to see her in this type of role of a person who we know becomes this really powerful witch kind of early on and see some of those characteristics start and see her get some experience under her belt. Uh, and also I think that her chemistry with Kingsley would just be off the charts. Like I think their back and forth would be the most fun part of the show. Just seeing them work together and be like work BFFs kind of would be so fun. I would, I would love that. I love this casting. Like we talked a little bit about predestination last week. We didn't really talk too much about the character, you know, the, uh, what is it, the unmarried mother? Mm-hmm. Um, such a really great performance. Like she does, she's essentially like playing like two different roles. You know, they have kind of different personalities and vibes. She's very, what's the word? Um, gravitating. Like you, you want to watch her whenever she's on screen. Like even when she's Proxima Midnight, like she just has this like personality about her. Like dang, like I hate her, but <laughs> like. If I gotta like anyone of the Black Order, it might it's probably gonna be her. Yeah. The other it's ones are just kind of it's her. Just lame. <laughs> not, not definitely not Squidward. Not that big guy. I don't even remember <laughs> what the other one looks like. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how bad that other one is. Whoever you are, but Proxima like had the cool hair, really cool like glare. And as as far as like Sarah Snook and Daniel, I think that be, would be a really good chemistry. Now tell me, what kind of character will Amelia? be right now is she kind of very stern is she kind of fiery is she like very hot-headed or is she very reserved so she's she's pretty hot-headed she is pretty instinctual um what i looked up and remembered about amelia is that during the first wizarding war voldemort killed like basically her entire family like her parents her brother and his wife the only remaining family member she has is her sister who goes on to be you know susan's mother um and so she is ready to like fight. <laughs> She's they took down Voldemort, but she is still angry and still grieving and like just ready to like change kind of change the wizarding world as an horror. And so she comes in hot and Kingsley has to like, you know, deal with that and still deal with his own naivety as a new horror. And so they're learning this together and they definitely so also one thing I mentioned true detective as an inspiration. One thing I love about that in season one is the, the very like uh, chaotic relationship between Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. I like that. I'm not going to go that route with this because I think like I, I love that. But I think that they will just start out as immediate friends and they'll be like there will be an instant connection between them and like they'll be close to the entire series. They'll kind of provide the heart of the series. But yeah, she's a very instinctual character, very gifted witch. Um, you know, I think I think she was in Ravenclaw, as far as I remember. Um, I know Kingsley was Gryffindor, but she so she's a very smart wizard and very fast on her feet in action. Obviously, this show is going to have some great action sequences, you know, of them fighting dark wizards and, and magical creatures and stuff. Um, so she will be the one who gets saves Kingsley's ass most of the time. Like she's the more experienced one and, and like knows how to fight. So she'll be a very like fiery character. I like that. And honestly, that's a really good setup. Like the fact that her whole family pretty much got killed by these death eaters. And so she's ready for vengeance. She's ready to like for justice. Yeah. So coming right out the gate, I could see her really like getting into things that they shouldn't be getting into. And while she's still saving Shacklebolt, it's more like he's like, Hey, we shouldn't be doing this. We, you know, Hey, 
why are we doing this? And she's like, we got to stop these people. And that, ah, that could be a lot of fun. I, I can just see all the different, like them going to different places, like running through Diagon Alley, uh, doing some uh, recon and Hogsmeade. Like who, who knows what they, they'll be getting into. But I could really see that chemistry pop. Um, I love Amelia Bones. I, I really wish we would have gotten more info about her. Of course, I drafted her in the uh, Wizarding World Rescue Draft. Mm-hmm. Because I like the, like you said, she had to be taken down by Voldemort himself. He didn't send anybody. He came because she's that <laughs> badass. And as we know, she ends up being the head. Will that happen mid show? Like that happens, I think, before we before the series starts, right? So no, she's alive during the series. She she's the one who sticks up for Harry in Order of the Phoenix. Correct. No, but does she become the head of the the department? Oh, sorry, yeah. That will happen. Yeah, that'll happen in this series. And this is really about her, like, climbing the ranks towards that. And K- Kingsley is obviously an established person during the Harry Potter series as well. But she, this is about, like, her rise to power, pretty much. And in a, in a good way. <laughs> Often in Harry Potter, that kind of has a bad connotation. But this is her rise to, like, good power and, you know, forcing good change in the ministry. So, yeah. I really like that. I really like where the show could go and building it on that that team of Kingsley and Amelia. Oh, man, we get to see like maybe a young Fudge being fudgy. <sighs> a young Arthur Weasley just bumbling about. Mm-hmm. I, I like oh, yeah. it. Yeah. I, I really this show would probably be one of the more realistic shows that you could make mm-hmm. as far as the Wizarding World one. Because really, like, you can see people, so many people we already know, but in a different outlook or a different light. And then really explore that time period that we don't know really anything about other than it was pretty much peaceful for the most part. But we yeah. get to see how unpeaceful it really was. Like, right. all the things they didn't tell anybody. Because they're like, yeah, you know, we don't want people to be, oh, God, stuff's still bad. Like, no, this is a time of peace. Baltimore's gone. We got to keep it hush-hush. I dig it. I like it. Hit me with your next person. Okay, so this is where people are either going to jump ship or just, like, be into this. I'm doing a bit of, I wouldn't say retconning or revisionist history, but this is a character who we don't know a lot about in his past. Um, We just has a reputation, so I'm, of course, going with our boy Moody. Uh, The show is called Vigilance, Vigilance, so it has to be, he has to be in there somewhere. Um, another character whose age isn't clear, but we know he's on the older side in the Harry Potter series. So I have him as about like 40s, like 45. Um, so he's a bit older than our two leads, has been established as an or for a while. He is being played by who I guessed, uh, James McAvoy. Um, I had a lot of trouble with casting this role because I didn't want to go with someone who's too, like, for lack of a better word, like a list, you know, James McAvoy is a very popular actor. Um, but sometimes it just fits. Like I think, so one, he's Scottish, which is important because Brendan Gleeson was Scottish and I love that accent and how angry he gets and it's always fun. Um, so I almost went with the stunt casting of his son, of Donald Gleeson, but of course he already played Bill Weasley, uh, who fucks in the Harry Potter movies. And he's just like too much of a soft boy to play Moody. I love him, but I just, I can't see him as, as Moody. Um, whereas James McAvoy, I can definitely see like he is intense. Uh, we love him as, you know, Charles Xavier and as, um, 
the guy from the Split movies, from Unbreakable and Split and all that, and he is great in, you know, even in, like, the first Narnia movie when he shows up as Mr. Tumnus, like, he's great in that. Uh, but he is best when he's very, like, intense and very just present in the moment. Like, I love his take on Xavier because he adds need needful like he had some necessary edge to the character uh patrick stewart was great but we didn't see a lot of like the dark side of xavier with those movies and as we know as we've said so many times in this podcast comics xavier is kind of a dick like he's a bit of a dumbledore he's very manipulating and so uh mcavoy brings like kind of that to the forefront um and i'd love to see him as moody moody was a very intense character in the series um we don't again we don't know much about his past so this is a moody i'm going to go in with uh his background here and he is basically uh he was married before this series began and his wife was a death eater uh during voldemort's reign um and she's still alive and she has come back she's one of those that they talked about in the series that people who claim they were mind controlled and period whatever She's come back to the good side and is now facing uh, trial. And um, you mentioned how like it would be cool to see Crouch's. I would love to see Crouch's trial as the beginning, but I also want this trial to be uh, a big point of season one. Um, and we get to see Moody like grapple with that. Like, does he believe she's innocent? Does he believe she knew what she was doing? Especially someone who is like has a reputation for putting away most Death Eaters. And it's a bit of a like Dumbledore Grindelwald thing. Like, why didn't he ever put her away? Why didn't he ever kill her? Because it's his wife. And Kingsley and Amelia don't know that until they until the series begins and they are at the trial and he has to testify and they figure out the relationship there. And I would just love to see that. It would add some Moody's already a great character, but it would, it would add some depth to him, some like just some complexity to him that we don't really see. Um, and again, this is me like kind of playing revisionist history and imagining things and that maybe didn't happen, but we don't know a lot about Moody's, Moody's past. So we don't know what happened to him in these early days in the first wizarding war. And so, man, I, I just, I would love to see that because he's such a, he's a character that's so driven by his hunt of the, the dark wizards and witches. Um, and so to see that challenged by someone he loves being a death eater and a loyal death eater and like figuring out, is she innocent? kind of pulling on that broad church vibe that they did so well in season one and two, like what really went down with, with Tom and all that. And so I would love to see that. I think that would be the most interesting and dynamic part of this first season is him battling and grappling how he feels about his wife being a, a death eater, like representing everything he hates in the wizarding world. And again, I think James McAvoy would play that to perfection. So first off, I think James McAvoy is a phenomenal uh, pick for Mad-Eye Moody. He, like you said, he has that kind of edge about him. I could really see him getting like, you know, when we see Moody in the movie, like he's just kind of, he seems almost like not there. Like it, he's constant vigilance, but he almost seems like he's kind of out of it. Mm -hmm. Almost like he's like, of course we know why, because it's, it's crouch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, he's just kind of everywhere. He's very, very paranoid. And we can see, like, maybe the beginning of him becoming paranoid and, and very overprotective of himself. And adding the fact that he has a wife could really play into that role. Um, I think this adds layers to the character. 
other than he's just this war hero who everyone's intimidated by. This adds gravitas. It adds emotional connection that we'll get with Moody in that first season. And then going forward, we're like, okay, he's gone through some stuff. Let's see him rise up. Let's see him do some good stuff. Oh, he's just, or is he just becoming more and more paranoid and more shut off? Like he's essentially considered the greatest aura of all time. That's a lot of, that's several hundred years. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. Like he had to put back, put behind so many death eaters and the Azkaban. Right. And the fact is, he didn't. Did he not even know his wife was one? Did he know and like he was like love? Like you know, stop it! I can you know if you stop right now, I won't tell anybody. Just come back to me. So many different ways you could play it, and finding out all that ha- what happened during the trials and going forward would be really fun and intriguing TV. <sighs> Moody married. That just that's a really cool, interesting idea because. I could never see him married, but you know, you say that meeting people at a certain time in their life, but they weren't always that person. Right. You know, and maybe this is really what changed him and really what formed the moody that we knew know is yeah. maybe this kind of this trial and losing his wife in this kind of way. Right. Or does he lose her? Who knows? What's going what's happening, Kyle? <laughs> Where's she going? Yeah. So um, that's the that's the unfortunate thing is like I haven't even casted her because my other cast member I need more than her. But that I think would be the pivotal. That's why the show is called Vigilant. Like it questions that idea. How vigilant do we have to be to even like question our spouses? Like so it's his struggle. He's not the main character, but it's his struggle that you see in the first season. And I want to note, too, just a fun detail, is that this is not Mad-Eye Moody. This is Alistair Moody. He hasn't lost his eye yet. And we get to see how that happens. Very linked to this to this struggle with his wife. So, yeah. I like it. It's not even Mad-Eye yet. We get to see the birth of Mad-Eye. That's the best part of prequels. Yeah, yeah. It's like you get to see, well, how what happened? Like, how did the dude lose his arm? Why is he called that? Why are they together? And then you get to see it happen. And that's such a cool reveal because you like, you know, you can't be told all the little details in a book series or in a movie series. You just kind of got to play with it. But then you go back in a prequel and you can actually flesh it out. I need to see how Mad-Eye becomes Mad-Eye, dude. I need that. I didn't know I needed it, but I need it. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that's and it's not. It's not going to be no shots to Captain Marvel. I know people like that movie. It's not going to be like that reveal of how someone lost their eye because I hated that so much. It was so stupid. <laughs> it was a really weak reveal. Like it was cool that the Clarkin happened and stuff, but the fact that Clarkin, Clarkin, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was cool that as a cool character, but that that's the fact that's how he lost his eye. Like really, it just yeah. was, became disinfected. Like it became infected or something, and he lost it. He's like a warrior. Like, he's a soldier. Like, let yeah. it get shot out or something. Right, at least. Right. Yeah. So that would be this. There would be a very, like, badass moment in this series where he loses his eye fighting, you know, a bunch of dark wizards and witches, maybe even fighting his wife. Like, I would love to see. She's come back and she's on trial. Maybe a big plot point is that she escapes and they're hunting for her. And he has to decide, am I going to put her away, kill her, whatever? And maybe that's when it happens. Like, maybe she fucking takes his eye out you know like i just there are endless possibilities with where you could go with this particular plot line so mcavoy is perfect for this role he's intense matt moody still 
can be charismatic too, and especially probably earlier before he becomes really, you know, paranoid. Right. I, I think McAvoy is. I don't know if you could have casted anyone better than that dude. I, I really like that. Okay. That's my favorite so far. Thank you. Yeah, I was really worried about that because it's like he is a really tough character to cast. He has a weird energy to him. And again, I didn't want to go super like a list, but again, like James McAvoy just it works. So I I, I kind of got over my hipster self and I was like, stop looking for obscure actors. Just go with the obvious one. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. OK, uh, shall we go to my next character? Yeah, let's do it. OK, so we've talked about the coach, Claire Bennett. We've talked about one of the new players that's joined, Lewis Barlow. Uh, now let's talk about another and this player is is not the captain be, only because she continues to refuse it. Okay? Uh, let's let's play the game again and let's see if you can guess who this per, this actor is. Winifred Fred Wyatt. A 10-year veteran, Fred is the only all-league player the Cannons have had this century. One of the most stylish beaters in the history of the game, Fred is loved by all but hasn't really had a good beater partner at any point. Just kind of doing it her own, you know, all on her own as, as much as she can. Talk of her success and talent being wasted has been a consistent talking point for the media. But Fred seems to really love playing for the Cannons, for the crowd and their devoted fan base. Fred is eccentric, charismatic, and into anything that is seen as not normal. She's always doing something new, okay? Like, people be like, oh, you're you're doing yoga this year. And then the next year, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I really love dragons. I'm going to go take a month off and go uh, go chill out with some dragon uh, tamers, you know? She just is always doing something different, okay? She's into experiencing life and everything it has to offer, but her number one love will always be Quidditch. Because she's told people this multiple, multiple times. As she's, you know, touring the world as a bass player in a band, as well as moonlighting as a chef at a fine dining wizarding restaurant. The media is like, are you are you zoned in? Are, are you actually here for the cannons? She's constantly had to tell them, I am here always. But that doesn't mean life is only Quidditch, but it is her love. Who do you think plays Fred? love this description first of all like shout out to angel that's immediately what i thought of was fred <laughs> on angel <laughs> um i'm gonna say uh sarsha ronan that's a good one that's a good one zazie beats oh shit okay love it she is she is a german american so she is not british but i said you know what i don't care yeah i like th- i think she would she would just embody this role so well uh, she does enigmatic really well. Like seeing her in a Quidditch get up and just like hammering that freaking be- uh, bludger with her bat. And like I said, she's she's very stylish. She plays the game in a very fun, unorthodox way as far as beaters go. So like to see that kind of dynamic on the screen would be a lot of fun. And to have Zazie doing that, she's. I mean, if you don't, y'all don't know who I'm talking about. She's Van in Atlanta, Domino in Deadpool two. Sophie and Joker. She's the voice of Amber Bennett in Invincible. Like those four roles right there are just substantial. Like she can yeah. do it all. She's very demanding and like and like, hey, pay attention to what I'm doing. You always want to see every line she reads. She I think she'd kill it as Fred. Uh what are some of your other thoughts? I love it. I love 
Zazie Beats. I love the idea of a beater, like being this veteran on the team. Um, I could see that being maybe a point of connection between her and, and the new manager with Claire being a former beater. Um, so I love that. Zazie is another actress like Daniel Kaluuya is just can do no wrong right now. I loved Atlanta. She's fantastic in that. I mean, she's great in Invincible. Just talk about like a stacked voice cast. I mean, everyone is so on point in that show. Um, easily my favorite character in Deadpool 2, which I think is in and of itself an underrated movie. And she's so good in that. It's the first thing I saw her and I was like, I'm in love. I'm in love. Um, so she's great. And the idea that she is, she reminds me a lot of Ginny, the way you're describing her, very charismatic and adventurous, but also just so passionate about the game and about Quidditch. Um, yeah, I, this is fantastic. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And like I said, she's not the captain, but she's been there for 10 years. Okay. She she was drafted or however you do Quidditch <laughs> up by the team, whatever, you know, we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll have to crowdsource and figure out exactly how this Quidditch league works. But, you know, she's been there for 10 years and she just loves the devoted fan base. This is a fan base that's been there through it all, even though they keep losing and she just does whatever she can for them. They love her. Like, there's Fred signs always in the crowd. Like, it's her team, even if she's not the captain. And people always look to her for advice, even though she's not the best advice giver. She's like, always tell them, like, do what you want. You know, <laughs> this is your life, not mine. <laughs> that's, oh, that's perfect. I also like the idea of a German-American playing, like, you know, on a, on a British team and play, being in Britain is very intriguing. Like, I love the idea of that. I also love, you mentioned it earlier, I just didn't get to talk about it, the idea of it being set in present day. Like you said, it's 2021 or 22? 22. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's perfect. Like, we've never seen that with Harry Potter. It's always been, you know, the original series was in the 90s, and then Fantastic Beasts. I mean, we've, we've seen The Cursed Child, but that's hashtag not canon. Um, <laughs> so this is interesting because I would love to see a modern Wizarding World and fans of this team, you know, like how they would interact and and uh you talked about like her how she joined the team and the, the mechanics of that like we never really get to see that like the behind the scenes of quidditch so that would also be really fun to see um have you seen the movie draft day it's one of my biggest blind spots because when it came out people just trashed on it like i don't want to see a trashy football movie i've seen too many of those <laughs> but the fact that people have really like hyped it up over the last few years i'm like okay I, I gotta watch it. It's happening as soon as possible. I know, you know, the late great Chadwick is in it. Chadwick Boseman. Uh, who's the 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 GM? Is it Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner. Yeah, and he's that's pretty fantastic in it. Oh, it's that's so good. good. It's such an interesting look at like the at draft day, at, like the behind the scenes of a football team. Um, so I feel like some of that would be fun to see in this with Gwendolyn Christie's uh, decisions and like picking team members and like managing a new team i love that so this is oh man dude i i just i wish we could see this like someone make this show <laughs> i like gwendolyn christie on screen with zazie beats and having a conversation about quidditch just yeah that's hot that, like that would be <laughs> amazing right there i would love that yeah <sighs> i dig it like i feel like she would have like cool like she'd have her bat named her her beater bat would have a name it would probably would be colored or something it's like yeah this is all missy you know <laughs> like something like that um but also like like you said i wasn't really sure if i was going to have her british or not but really you sold it like 
she's American. For one thing, this is a very current thing. Like, the best of the best players from around the world want to play in the Premier League of soccer. Like, you know, and for all we know, the pro Quidditch League in Ireland and and England is probably the best one. Right. We're going to say it is. So the best Quidditch players around the world are going to want to play there. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense from that, that point. Oh, for sure. That's, that's a, that's a home run or in Quidditch terms. I don't know. It's a, it's a snitch catch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and that, see, that's another thing. There's going to be so much lingo and terms and strategy of Quidditch that we can just make up. Yes. Like, cause we really like, we've all read Quidditch through the ages and we're still like, but how does it all actually work? Right, like right. there's so many moving pieces, and like, can the can the chasers like fly down here while they're up here, and like, can you just keep like going up and down? Like, what's right. like? Are you playing like a three D field essentially? Right. Because there's so much you can do with that. Yeah, and the fan base would eat that up. Like, fan bases always enjoy getting new mythos with their IPs. So getting to see this, it's an, a confusing sport, and so like. I feel like people would just take anything as gospel with like how it works. So that would be super, super fun. Our, our friend Ryan is going to love this because he always <laughs> talks about how the rules in Quidditch just make no sense. Like you can do all this stuff, but yeah, you can hit a hit a, a bludger into the crowd. Break <laughs> <laughs> oh. a fan's nose. <laughs> okay, so that's that's the uh, one of the bi- biggest veterans of the team. Okay. We ready for for the team captain? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if you can guess who this is played by, okay? We're talking to Severe Rao, a 16-year veteran. Severe has been the keeper for the Cannons for the past three years after being released by Potomir United, where he helped them win a League Cup back in his 10th year. Never one of the three best keepers in the league at any time. Durability has always been the game for Severe. He rarely ever misses a game. He hasn't missed one since his fourth season. So that's 12 years he has never missed a game. But there's been talks of him retiring or being replaced essentially since he signed there three years ago. Regardless of that, he is, he was named team captain upon joining. Even though I said, you know, you don't have the captain be the a player that hasn't played for him. He just has that kind of status about him. They're like, oh, okay, he he knows what's up. He knows what it takes. He's captain. Okay, he's a quiet man, well-read and philosophical, who never holds back out on the pitch. Knowing his career is coming to an end, Suvir isn't sure how to go forward. Hmm. Okay, so like, he's kind of on his way out, sort of. Yes. Okay. Um... Forever, his body can't hold up much longer. Like, he's like the Iron Man. Like, you know, he's played so many games in a row. And it's like eventually he's not he's going to like, you know, he's going to break down. He's just not going to be as good as he was. He's never been an elite player, but like yeah. he's just always been consistent. Interesting. Um, this guy's a little bit old. I don't know if that's what you're going for. I'm going to go with David Oyelowo. That's a good one. That would have been really good for Severe. I went with our boy. You were just talking about him earlier in our uh, group chat. Rahul Kohli. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yup. Um, yeah, but before we say anything else, we're going to go to a quick break. 
Hey guys, it's Kyle, and I just want to drop in with my recommendation of the week. Um, so this week, I want to recommend the Netflix series Feel Good. Uh, it is co-created by May Martin and Joe Hampson. It also stars May Martin. Basically, it is um, a comedy, romance, drama <laughs> kind of thing. It centers on May's character, who is a stand-up comedian, who meets and falls in love with a girl. And basically, I won't say anything else. Um, I just want you to enjoy it for yourself. It's great. Um, really great LGBTQ representation. Um, deals with some great conversations about drug abuse and, and addiction. Um, it's really, really good so far. If that is your bag, if you like Fleabag, it's giving me very big Fleabag vibes. And we all know how I feel about that show. <laughs> um, I've seen so many people recommend this, including friend of the pod, Olivia. So thank you, Olivia. Um, the second season just dropped about a week or so ago. So I figured you know, now is the best time to start watching it. I'm only four episodes in and I'm already recommending it. So I, I hope that speaks for how good the show is. Um, so I hope you guys check it out. That is Feel Good on Netflix. All right, welcome back from break. We are talking about um, the greatest Quidditch series that has never happened. Uh, fingers crossed. We're talking about Damon's uh, last cast member, Rahul Kohli. Tell us about him. Yes, Rahul, he is Jack Sphere in Supergirl. He's Ravi in iZombie, pretty much the role that made him who he is. You know, like, you, you know him because of that role. Owen yeah. in Haunting of Bly Manor, one of my favorite characters in that show. That was a really... Good series. Not as good as the first one, but it was good. Uh, he also voices Scarecrow in the new Harley Quinn series. Um, he's also a huge fanboy, okay? Like, he's he's kind of been wanting to be uh, Ezra Bridger for, like, the last five years. <laughs> I wish, man. I wish. <laughs> um, I feel like he's going to be in some big IP at some point. Yeah. Like, other than, of course, Harley Quinn as the Scarecrow. Like, that's a comedic role. But he's got a lot of range, but, like, as you see as him and Owen in The Haunting of Bly Manor, he can be very reserved, very kind, very gentle, but also, like, have some intensity about him, you know? And as as far as Severe goes, he's going to be the captain. He's been there for—he's only been on the team for a couple years, but he's been in the league forever. He, he played several, several games against the coach, against the manager, you know? Before you don't have too much beater on keeper action. I don't think you can hit the bludger at the keeper. <laughs> or I'm sure he? she tried a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, they might have even played against each other in the in the league cup finals. You know, they were both on very successful teams. But like he was never the best. He's always just been durable and solid. And now he's just starting to get a little worse. He's he's breaking down. And I think Rahul would play that role so well, this character who's just at the end of his his legacy and what's next. What is he going to do? Can he win win another one on this team? Can he do, do it for the canon so he really enjoys playing for, even though they've been trash? Like, he's essentially been, like, like letting up maybe, who knows, 40, 50 points at the most. And then, of course, their seeker just does nothing, and the, the other team always catches the snitch. And it's just like, okay, that's another loss. <laughs> but will this be the year that they put it together? I can't, I'm not telling y'all if this team is actually going to be good. They might lose every game. Who knows? <laughs> but it's not about that. It's about these players and this team and who they are and how they essentially change each other's lives. Right. 
okay? Because the people you work with, no matter how short or long, sometimes really make an impact. Mm-hmm. Like, coworkers, like, you see in so many different work comedies and sitcoms, you know, you see, like, these people become, like, your best friends and people who just, you know, really have an impact on you. And I want that that kind of vibe in this. Like, yeah. even it maybe this will be his last year and he's gone after this. It'll be the only year he plays with Lewis Barlow. But, like, how they affect each other in this one year, it'll change Lewis, and maybe Lewis will be, a, you know, we'll see that change going forward in the next season. Hmm. And so, I like, you know, I just think Suvir would be a really fun character to see that. It is a kind of similar to uh, Ted Lasso. I won't say too much more on that. There's a, you know, character who's, like, you know, getting older, and it's kind of like his last leg. But this dude's not near as much of an asshole as that character. <laughs> but he... I think it'd be, I don't know. I didn't plot everything out because what was the fun in that? Yeah. That's what show writers are for. But to see Suvir, I have a lot of really cool, meaningful talks with Claire, you know, maybe mentoring our boy Lewis and, you know, maybe in, in him and, uh, and freaking Fred, maybe they have just a really close connection and relationship. Maybe they're really good friends and like, they're the, the people that have kept the team going in high spirits throughout the last couple of years. Right. So, you know, there's a lot to play with there. But I had to have Rahul. I, I think he would be a phenomenal person in the Wizarding World. So, Yeah, he is primed for a role like this. He He's so good. Uh, like Damon mentioned, we've talked about it before in the group chat. Joining Anna in horny jail for this man. Like, he is a stud. And him being on a broom and playing Quidditch would only amplify that. Uh, <laughs> um, so he is, yeah, he's just a great actor. He's so fun. I got to see um, a an iZombie uh, panel at Comic-Con. I think it was the year of its last season. Um, and that was super fun. He was the highlight of the panel because he's hilarious in real life. He's just such a charismatic guy. And... Seeing him play this kind of role would be super interesting. Um, is his name like the word severe? No, like, Suvir. Oh, Suvir. Okay. Yeah, S U V E R. If I'm mispronouncing it, anybody, please let me know. Um, I don't like butchering names. I really don't, but I, I believe that's how you say it. Okay. Um, I just thought that would be funny if his name was like legitimately severe. <laughs> uh, that's cool though. That I I love that. I really love the way you describe your characters all the time. It's just very descriptive. But this is cool because like I can definitely see him being a great team captain, having a lot of respect from the rest of the team. Um, I also appreciate that you did not cast a seeker because we get enough of them. Like let's see some other positions. I, I really like that. Um, so him being a keeper, being captain, he has been in the league forever, um, played for, you said, Puddlemere United, right? Yes, he played for Puddlemere for pretty much his whole career up until three years ago, and they were pretty good. Like, I'd I'd say they won maybe, they haven't won since his fourth year, but they were Mm -hmm. always, you know, in the running. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so one of those, like, more well-regarded Quidditch teams. Um, Definitely. I believe that's where, um... If I'm not mistaken, Oliver Wood went to play. Yes, I think I think that's right. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, that's interesting. I just want to see his interactions with all the rest of these characters. I could easily see him being my favorite character, just because I love Raul and like he'd be fantastic in this role. Um, man, I'm so intrigued. I just I love all of this. This is great. <laughs> yeah, and I was very tempted to cast the entire team and just 
run through the rest of them real quick right now. But then I just kept getting stuck. Like, I want this person. No, I want this person to be. Like, I was like, I want Daniel Kaluuya on the team. Like, but, but where? And then I was like, no, I just need to stick to these people. Because then, like, which ones do I talk about? I was like, I want right. these, this crew right here to be the main characters, at least in this first season. And then you really meet everybody, and then it just really grows into a true ensemble. So. Yeah, that's, I love it. I think that that would be the big strength of the show is seeing their interactions, especially these three who play for the team and then and Claire being their their new manager. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm getting like, I said Ted Lasso initially, but now I'm getting like Friday Night Lights vibes vibes from this like i could definitely see it having that sincerity and like like oh that's just i feel like it would be a very big feel feel good show like you would watch this to feel happy you know i don't know if friday night lights can be called a feel good show (laughs) that's true i cried a lot i was angry a lot (laughs) but i definitely had friday night lights in mind when making this you know I, i i wanted to be a cross of friday night lights and ted lasso and in just any of those sports shows you know or it's all about the the people and their connections, but it, this is all about this team, you know. Like you'll yeah. see other what their lives are like and the people that they're they're close to, but it's it's all connected to this team. It's it's what they're going to do to make it better. Whether they're going to stay there, who you know, who knows? Maybe one of these players are going to leave after the year. Uh, is is a uh, Severe going to retire? Is Claire going to get another offer if like she actually does really well with the Cannons? You know, like. She hasn't really shown what she can do as a coach yet. You know, she was the assistant over on the Magpies for, for no, not the Magpies, but the Wanderers, and they didn't want her. You know, because they were like, oh, we we want this. We're going with this. You know, well-established manager. But hey, she shows that she can win eight, nine games, or however many games they play in this league. Hey, you know, I maybe we want you back. You know, who knows? Like, we'll have that tension and that that drama. It'll be a lot of drama, but not a soap opera. It's it's going to be a lot more heartfelt, emotional, connectional uh, drama, yeah. and in show going forward. So that's awesome, dude. I oh, I really want this. I want this as like an HBO Max series. Put all the money into it, and oh man, I could just I could see all this cast cast just absolute sparks between all of them. Um, there needs to be more sports centered series anyway. Like. Those are it. Like Ted Lasso, Glow, Friday Night Lights. I can't think of a whole lot of others that are successful. All American is a newer one. Oh, that's the CW one, right? Really good. Yes, it's about yeah. a. It's inspired by a true story, actually, about a, a NFL player. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that one's pretty good. And okay. then of course there's always a uh, One Tree Hill, which at one point was about basketball before it became nothing about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But there was basketball at some point. And yeah, we just need more shows of like this action sports. People love sports, and while sports can get a bad rep, understandably, there's a lot of bad things that go along with it. Sports is also a huge uniting thing. Sure. It unites so many people from different walks of life. Uh, you, you know, people have found love, found tr- friends for life through sports, and yeah. you know, and so I, I love sports myself. I'm a big fan, and to see it play out like this with Quidditch, which is a super fun sport to watch on screen. You know, we can't see this in real in real life. People on brooms flying, getting smacked with a bludger and falling off. How do they not die when they fall off all the time? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we would get to see like that action like every week. I will guarantee there will be a a sizable amount of Quidditch action every every season, every show. That's perfect because I feel That's like I feel like if this was happening and people saw trailers that that would be their biggest like request is like show us some actual quidditch and make it exciting so that would be super super fun um i have to ask you does this have a cameo from our guy oliver wood does do we see him at all so i was just thinking in my head i didn't think about this when i was making the show or anything but there will probably be flashbacks especially for like uh claire you know back in her playing days yeah maybe suvere when he's back at puddlemere so this is 2022, right? He's been in the league for 16 years. His rookie year would have been 2004. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty freaking sure Oliver Wood was there. Yeah, that is that's <laughs> so, prime. That's his prime years, pretty much. Yeah, he's he he should have like hit the team by then. Like you know, maybe he was on the bench for a little while, but by then he's probably an established starter. Oliver Wood, he's a. He's a keeper too, isn't he? He is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made his uh, replacement for for Oliver. He beats oh, out Oliver in his rookie year. Damn, that's what happens. Yeah, so that <laughs> that immediately that. establishes how good of a player he is. Yeah, even though he's not that good, but Oliver Wood wasn't an amazing player either. That's true. I will say. He was yeah. solid. He was good. He's going to end up being a coach. I feel like he's probably ended up becoming the manager for, like, maybe Podolmere or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll see him in the, like, carrot time as a manager. That's fair. I, I like that because that, that's where he's shown the most even as a player in Harry's school years. He was just so passionate and fired up as their captain. So, like, him being a manager would be super fun. Agreed. Maybe we'll see some Jenny. Yes. Yes. You know? <laughs> Like yeah. Jenny probably can't be playing still. Like that would she like that would be amazing if she she'd be like the <laughs> oldest player. She she'd be just as old as uh, Claire, I think. Maybe a little yeah, a little older. But yeah, Claire Claire's like a less supposed sad to be version in this. of Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jenny would still be killing it out there, okay? But okay, that that's my my show, okay? Fingers crossed. And I'm going to have my fingers crossed that that'll happen one day. Something like it, maybe nothing about the cannons, but just give us some Quidditch, okay? I need more Quidditch action. Yeah. That's mine. All right, Kyle, bring it home. Tell us your last character. Who's going to be a part of this show? We got Kingsley. We got Amelia Bones. We got Mad-Eye with the wife as a Death Eater. Yeah. That's intense. Before he's Mad-Eye. Yeah, we have... Okay, so for this final person, again, I said it with Moody with kind of his backstory... You're either going to hate me or you're going to be in for this. I think this character just has ties to the ministry, is too sinister to pass up. I got to go with our girl Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. Oh. I um. So there's a theory out there. A lot of these characters, they're not clear about their age. We always picture her as an older character in Harry Potter. A lot of people theorize that she was only about 10 years older than Harry in Order of the Phoenix. And... I I don't have her that young. What's that? <laughs> I hope not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in this, she... she'd be like 14. Uh, but I like that theory because her being so young and being that sinister is like she's trying to prove herself and trying to, like, climb the ranks. So that's how she is here. She's 20 years old in this series. And I feel better now about this casting choice because you picked Zazie. So this is an American actress. Um, 
but she does have a bit of a British accent because she spent a lot of her life growing up in England. So I didn't do it for the rest of the characters. Now I feel bad. Would you like to guess the actress for this character? <laughs> no, because whoever I say is is almost insulting. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, that's, that's a fair. tough. Let let. I don't. I can't think of someone who who stayed in in England a lot, but was American born. Uh, I'm blanking here. Who she, who is it? She's definitely. If this podcast had like favorite people we talk about all the time, it should be up is there. Is it Anya Taylor Joy? It's Anya Taylor Joy. You made Anya Taylor Joy <laughs> divorce Umbridge. I don't know how to feel about this. I I need a second. Okay, what the hell, man? Yeah. Tell, I mean, tell we me we all love her. Like we love Anya Taylor Joy, and so. That would be the tough part of this because there is no... I'm not going to do that thing where people take these awful characters and give them redeeming backstories. Fuck that. Okay, and Umbridge is going to be just as terrible in this series. She's 20 years old, fresh face in the ministry, and immediately kissing ass and immediately uh, turning a blind eye to corruption and immediately challenging Kingsley and Amelia and challenging their, like they're trying to bring people in who they think are corrupt involved in the ministry and she won't have it. So she comes in and immediately is like placed in a place of power because of her family. She has a very high ranking family, very rich family. And so she comes from that and immediately is, is given kind of the keys to the kingdom in the ministry. Um, so Anya Taylor joy, again, we have stated how great of an actor she is multiple times. She's never played a role like this before. I, to my knowledge, I mean, she, even if her characters get a little rough, like the Queen's Gambit, we still love Beth Harmon. We love her. We love how complex she is. No one's going to love Umbridge. Like, they're going to hate her. Kyle, you're going to make me thirst for Umbridge. <laughs> oh, no. I never thought I would say that ever in my <laughs> lifetime. But I would. I would 100% be like, Umbridge can get it. it oh, yeah. It. God, God, God dang it. Anya with the pink, man. It works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I would love this. It's, a, it's flipping the script. It is an actress, again, who is taking a leap and doing this kind of role that she's never really done before. Um, we've seen that she's not afraid to take on, like, complex roles. We, you know, Queen's Gambit, one of her first roles was The Witch, and she was fantastic in that. Um, and I just want to see Umbridge as a constant thorn in our hero's side. Like... Again, like, she's not just a villain. I think the reason people love to hate Umbridge so much, like, even more than Voldemort, is that, like, she's the most realistic villain in the series because there's so many people we can point to in real life who are like Umbridge, who are, they think they're doing good and they think that they're on the right side and they're horrible people and they only care about power. And that's how Umbridge, that's her MO. So I, I want to see Anya play that up and I want to see that effect this season, specifically uh, the trial of Moody's wife. I think that she would be guns blazing, like give her the Dementor's kiss. Like she would just be like wanting to enact justice without even asking questions. And this show is going to ask what justice is. Like I mentioned how it's going to take on the questions of like, are auras good? <laughs> Do they serve a purpose in the wizarding world? And it's also going to ask that questions about the lawmakers and about Umbridge, which we already know the question of that, but like her being this very sinister person in a very, 
quote unquote good organization, I think would be so interesting, so compelling. And I, again, I think Anya Taylor-Joy could play that to perfection. I think this could be a role that would be, I won't say turning point because she's already basically on top of the world, but this would be a big mark in her career because it would be the riskiest role she's taken on. Um, and that's including the fucking terrible movie, New Mutants, because that movie sucked, but she was great in it. <laughs> uh, and I just want to see her, like, I could see some incredible, like, dialogue-driven scenes between her and Kingsley, just going back and forth, arguing about what's right and whether people deserve a second chance, you know, and just all of that stuff. I, I think that this show could have, like, Aaron Sorkin-level writing when it comes to that kind of stuff, because that's the heart of this show is, like, understanding how this organization works and if it has a place in the wizarding world and uh yeah i won't say umbridge would be like the primary villain because i think a lot of it still is them catching dark wizards and witches and including moody's wife and stuff so that would be like the villain or whatever but the fun of it is that there won't be a clear villain is you have to decide that as a viewer like what is right what is wrong umbridge is gonna <laughs> make you frustrated she's gonna infuriate you but like a lot of tv shows have that um fleabag has the godmother eventual yeah stepmother who is the worst she's the worst but you love to watch her ruin fleabag's life like it there's something interesting about these characters and i think that umbridge when you think of a show that's set in the ministry like she has to be mentioned because she's so linked to the ministry I would say more so than Corn Fudge. Like, she's the one that you associate with this organization more than anything. And I would love to see that. I think that her introduction, you know, maybe they would keep it under wraps who's playing who in this hypothetical when the show happens. So her introduction, she's not even wearing, like, the pink, so you don't know who she is. And she's at a trial and just is completely cold. And, like, this is a person we know is innocent. And she just gives them the, you know, sends them to Azkaban without question leaves and has a conversation with Kingsley and as she's leaving does a little mm -hmm. or the laugh or whatever and I think that would send chills down viewer spines because now they know like the real danger is in the ministry and it's umbrage the thing I hate about this the most is Anya Taylor-Joy would absolutely murder this role <laughs> yeah. like you, you can see her in a lot of her roles like when she'll like talk very like happy like you'll see like she looks happy but then saying the like a very mean or insidious thing she could do that so well as umbridge yeah. like i can just see it now and i hate how much it works <sighs> kyle what have you done <laughs> but as far as having umbridge as that fourth character it makes so much sense um like i said before you know a lot of times their co-workers will be very important to you um and sometimes you'll have ones that you just hate. And you're like, oh, I can't stand that person. When will they quit? And this will be like, oh, my God, when is she, Dolores going to be gone? She's not going. She's just going to keep climbing that ladder. <laughs> and you're seeing, you're essentially seeing this, this parallel ascent from Kingsley and Amelia. And then you're seeing it on the other side with Dolores. They're all moving up this yeah. ladder in the ministry. Um, I was reading this the Wizarding World, you know, blurb about her. She started as a lowly intern, and just from being cutthroat and cunning and all of her, all the things she is, moving on up, you know, getting into the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. So the fact that they they end up being all in the same department, they're going to have to see each other. They're going to be dealing with each other. 
So, like, seeing them, like, try to get, like, these cases going and then her coming around and just, like, fudging it up for some reason or saying, like, how, you know, that person would never do things like that, you know, just kind of undermining them at every turn, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe taking credit when it's theirs to take for some reason, you know, and, and just really seeing how she got so high up to where she, she's essentially freaking running Hogwarts as the inquisitor. I like that. I really do. Cause we do need someone to root against. That's not. And of course people love to root against Umbridge because she's so hateful, but like, I feel like we'll see it kind of trickle. Like we won't see all of it. We'll see. We'll see her as like this. You know, she's trying to make moves, so she's going to kind of play nice. You know, up front, yeah. and then just backstab, backstab, betray, do whatever she can, and she starts growing. And as she becomes more powerful, she's she starts letting it out more and showing everybody. And then just Kingsley and Amelia just be like, they're like, I can't believe she got that promotion. And yeah. it's like it just. So much, you know, confliction and intention. I like it a lot. I think that's the perfect fourth member to watch go through all this. James McAvoy and Anya Taylor Joy on screen together is like a, a younger but still old Moody, and then this much younger Dolores, and just like what she would say to him, and like how she would like insult him like backhandedly, and and he just, like she walks away and he's like. Did she really fucking say that? <laughs> Would just be like, and they're like, yeah, they said she said that to the the greatest horror of all time. She just like you see, like she just doesn't care. There's yeah. so much you could do with her because we don't know really much else what she does, other than that she moves she moves up that ladder, and she's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see those seeds being sowed. God dang, Dolores Umbridge is hot. I hate. <laughs> Never this, thought you'd this say is, it. Ugh. What what would be your favorite thing to see about Dolores in this kind of setting? What would what would be like what do you think something that you might have thought of or could think, you know, you think would happen with Umbridge in this series? I think so going back to to Chris's series Broadchurch, one thing that I really love about season two is so season two, without spoiling anything if someone hasn't seen it, the season two is the trial of the thing that happened in season one. Um, and there's a new character introduced who is the judge. And initially she's introduced as a character who is just like kind of umbrage, like evil. <laughs> like she just wants to, she wants the fame from the case. And then there's a flip of the script that I won't spoil that kind of humanizes her. I don't think we would see that with Umbridge, but I think we would see a character who like genuinely believes she's doing the right thing. Like she thinks that she is doing the right thing. And I think over time we would see her start to take more pleasure and like the cruel things that she does. But initially she's only 20 years old. So like she believes that she is in the right. She believes in the good things that the ministry does. Like she's been kind of indoctrinated. Like she thinks that they are, good people who who deal out correct justice uh and don't we know a thing or two about that in america like i think that she would represent those people like she represents the left she represents people who believe that they're doing the right thing kind of the the self uh 
like the self elevating that people do when they donate to charity and it makes it all about them. Like, I think that that would be her. She comes from a powerful family and she believes that her privilege is like earned and that she is justified. And I just think that that would be really powerful because we see that so often in life and she would play that really well. I think Anya Taylor-Joy again would just be stellar in that. So I can't think of like a particular scene, but I think a lot of it would come from this trial of Moody's wife. I think that she wouldn't see any gray. She would just see black and white and think, no, she was, she was evil. She's evil now. And she deserves to go away. And Moody being like really conflicted about that and just the struggle between the two of them. Okay. Um, one question. So I was reading up on the Wizarding World site. So at least in that, it says that her father was a lowly worker in the department of, I think, uh, misuse of magic and artifacts. Okay. And like, and then her mom's a muggle. And so she didn't really like either of them. And mm. as soon as she started moving her way up, she pretty much like he, she tried to get him to retire as quickly as possible. And then just kind of, kind of like fade off into the sunset and then whenever people would ask if she was related to that person, she'd be like, no, of course not. She's wow. like, my dad is a, was a high-ranking official in, the, in this, you know, he was a member of the Wizard government, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So, like, would her, this be a facade, or are you kind of retconning to where her parents were a little bit more powerful? No, yeah, that's totally fair. Like, I, I'll be completely honest. I didn't research her as much as I researched the other characters. So that's a great call because, honestly, I think that's more interesting. I think that her lying about them being high-ranking people is like, oh, man, so that's umbridge. so interesting. Yeah, that's very umbrage. So, oh, that'd be compelling. And so her, maybe we would see her dad and we would see the conflict between the two of them and her maybe getting him fired or something and, like, pushing him out the door and then, wow, I didn't know her mom was a muggle. That's really interesting, especially the way he, she views muggles. Like, that is, whew. Uh, I mean, this is like, I could see Anya Taylor-Joy getting an Emmy for this. Like, she would just be so good. Um, so, yeah, I just think that, great call on that. I think that she would be lying about that and talking about how she comes from money and she comes from people who are important in the wizarding world and maybe kingsley finds out that she doesn't and like talks to her about it like imagine daniel and anya going back and forth Whew. <laughs> oh man i love this it's like once you you, you gave me the whole umbridge spiel like i'm like this show has a lot of stuff going for it and i get to see anya taylor joy just be despicable on the same screen as freaking daniel yeah. and sarah snook and James McAvoy, like that is that is a cast right there. I love it, dude. I, I really like that. I want to watch Vigilance right now. Yeah, I, I just thank you. I, I, I I'm happy about this, especially because we I just want to brag on both of us. Like we have only had like two days to dream all of this <laughs> up. And I think we did a really good job. Like both of these shows would be so fun to watch. Man, I mean, did you have any, like, other ideas you were going to go with before, fingers crossed? I've got to say, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've had this idea stuck in my head for a little while now. It wasn't on the canons. It was just, like, I want to watch a Quidditch show. Like, this was before I even watched Ted Lasso, which was, mm -hmm. like, a couple weeks ago. I was like, I want to see Quidditch. I want to see that happen, you know, like a, a sports-style show. And then, like, when you, we were like, okay, let's do this for a for a quick quick draft you know for an episode i was like 
do I want to do anything else? I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> and it just started coming together. I was like, which team do I want to be on? And I was like, of course it's going to be Chudley Cannons. Like, you know, the team that Ron just roots for his whole life, and they're just terrible. And yep. then once I stumbled into their motto, it was like, that that's perfect. Like, that, that's that got to be the name. Fingers crossed. <laughs> like, you know, just the whole, like, like that, that you see everybody in the crowd always doing this. And, like, that'll be, like, something that maybe Claire, the manager, like, turns it into more of a, even more of an inspirational thing. Like, yeah, you know, we got to hope for the best, but we also got to be our best. We got, you know, we can't just hope. We have to actually try something along those lines. I, yeah. I just, like, I had to run with it. Did you have any others that you were going to go with instead of uh, Vigilance? Um, I bounced a couple. I want to say real quick, I'm glad you mentioned Fingers Crossed, because I just had to look it up. But that, that is this show's version of Clear Eyes, Full Heart, Can't Lose. Like, that's that's it. That's the that's the thing. So that's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a couple ideas. Like I said, I thought of, uh, like, a Ted Lasso kind of thing, but I haven't seen it. Um, I also considered a kind of like a mockumentary in the style of the last dance about like maybe Oliver Wood or like some high ranking player. I feel like that would be super fun. That um, would be. We would get like all the memes that we got from the last dance, you know, like, and I took that personally. Like, I feel like that would be so fun. Uh, so that, and then um, I briefly considered a founders show, but like, I'm glad we didn't go with the obvious ones. Cause the obvious ones are like the Marauders and the founders. And I want to see someone more talented than me come up with that because I, I can't even think of a founder's show. Funny that you bring that up because I just want to tell everybody. So before we came up with this idea, we were going to do a Marauders fan cast. Yeah. And we both were having trouble because we don't know enough young <laughs> British stars. They're yeah. all like at least 20, like 20 something or older. Mm-hmm. So Kyle, like I was looking, I was like looking hard and Kyle's like, hey, do you want to do this instead? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. It's much yeah. better. I think it was the much better idea. Yeah. You know, you, you got the founders, you got the marauders, you even have like, you know, what happens with Scorpius and Albus and all them, which we don't know because Curtis Child, not canon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff to play with. So we went, you know, you went in between the first war and the second war, you, you know, in, a, in the 80s. I, really, I wish you could get some 80s aesthetics up in there, but the fact is they're still stuck in the 1700s. For <laughs> so, dang it. Yeah, um, really and are. then, you know, I went current time, you know, so it'll be a little bit more modern, and then we're dealing with sports, which, like, really takes a back seat in the series by, I mean, you get a little bit more of it in Half-Blood Prince, but really after three, it takes a back seat to the order and the the Trizer tournament, you know. So I was like, oh, man, I'm not getting any Quidditch. I need all the Quidditch. Okay, I want to play it. I would love to be a chaser personally. What would be your uh, position? Ooh, um, I feel like realistically, I'd probably do keeper because I, I always played goalie in soccer growing up. But I think I'd have the most fun being chaser. So I'm gonna say chaser. <laughs> I dig it. Chaser would be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah. I, I had a lot of fun doing this one, man. Uh, I really want to watch both of our shows, especially with those casts. Who knows if they would ever be a part of the Wizarding World? But you never know. They've gotten some really crazy big names. 
also want to say, I was very close to just having my whole cast be from Game of Thrones. <laughs> it was really <laughs> hard to not do that, okay? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I want uh, Maisie Williams. I want Kit Harrington. I want yeah. them all. I feel but, like, uh, I feel like uh, Peter Dinklage would be a really fun part of that if he was cast you know he's going to, he, he's actually in second season he's going to be uh the owner of the canyon yes, yes. <laughs> i love that <laughs> okay okay um but before we could just keep talking about these these hypothetical shows but we'll, we're gonna let y'all go guys i'm so glad y'all listened to this one uh if y'all have any comments you know questions feedback if you have any ideas for future shows please hit us up you might even be able to be a guest on it we don't, you know, we never say you can't. We're always down for new guests, always looking for them. Uh, just hit us up at planet.fantasy at gmail.com. I'm sorry, planet.fantasypod at gmail.com. Our socials at planet.fantasy. Kyle, you have anything for the people before we get out of here? No, thanks for listening, guys. We are going to be hitting you next time with the next episode of The Effies. We are celebrating The Lord of the Rings, finally, and just Lord of the Rings. No Hobbit. Sorry. Maybe that's next time. But we'll be joined by our good pal, Anna. It's going to be a fun time. So we'll see you all next time. Bye, y'all.